You're listening to Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. My name's Claire Parker, and this is Time for Tea, your monthly window on all things transgender. Each month we dive into trans news reviews and interviews from Brighton, the UK, and beyond. This month we have BFI Flair bursting onto the big screen on the South Bank and we have the return of Jason Elvis Barker, one of the programmers of the festival, lifting the lid on the most noteworthy trans inclusions. We find out about Transcode, a hack day in London for trans and allies with Naomi Cedar. Also, we have music from local Brighton band Daskinzy 4. And last but most definitely not least, we have Josephine Shaw, a founder member of Transmedia Watch, to give us a give us both a history of Transmedia Watch. Hello, Joe. Hello. Hey, and her activism as well as help us to understand the background of some of the most recent trans news stories in the media. All this and plenty of music to all our way here on Time for Tea. First up, Flying Lizards. for free but you can give them to the birds and bees I want money Give me your money. Just give me money. 
This is Time for Tea on Radio Reverb, the UK's first and only trans-themed FM radio show. And if you want to catch any of our previous shows, they're all available on timefortea.podomatic.com. On March the 27th and 28th, London is host to an event called Transcode, which aims to help draw attention to transgender issues through a topic-focused hack day. Together with introductory programming, workshops allowing for participation from community members, uh, not currently working in technology, and participants from all skill levels are welcome. I spoke to the organiser, Naomi Cedar, and started by asking her exactly what a hack day is. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I've had people ask me, uh, when they hear the word hack, if this involves hacking as an illegal activity. And of course, uh, nothing could be further from the truth. When we talk of a hack day or a hackathon, we're actually talking of hack in its original sense, meaning uh, to work out a clever solution to a problem using technology. So it's that sense that uh, Transcode will be a hack day in that we will have groups of people who are getting together uh, into teams to try to spend the day uh, working out uh, something that can benefit the trans community by way of technology. So expand for me exactly what is Transcode. Transcode is meant to be a couple of things. For one thing, we want it to be an opportunity to bring people, particularly people from the trans community, uh, into technology to give them an opportunity to learn. Uh, we also want it to be uh, a time to build community within the trans uh, world and also a chance to raise awareness of some of the issues that the trans community faces. In your press release, you say, and you're, you're quoted as saying, as technology offers growing opportunities, being sure these opportunities are equally accessible to traditionally marginalised groups grows ever more important. So historically, then, what technology has not um, been accessible to marginalised groups, specifically the trans community? Uh, really, in many ways, uh, a lot of technologies have been less accessible to, to trans people and marginalized groups, simply in that uh, they are uh, systems that have been really built um, by white cisgender males. And uh, in many cases, uh, things like uh, hiring, uh, learning the basic skills, uh, in many cases, access to a computer, a lot of these sort of basic building blocks uh, are not as available uh, to people who, who may not be from uh, the right background or who may be marginalized as, as trans people quite often are. So that, that's really what we're trying to do is to offer a way into technology for the people who maybe aren't as often encouraged to go into technology. Hmm. That's interesting. And who, I mean, you talk about creating prototypes and working with code. Who would these prototypes be aimed at? We're being very open in this regard. Uh, the main, I guess, the main qualification that we have for the projects, for the prototypes, for the things that would be worked out would be that they relate in some way to the trans community. Most probably, that will mean that they will be uh, trans people guiding solutions to problems that that the trans community faces. Uh, this could be, you know, access to equal housing. Uh, it could be something like uh, access to toilets and finding safe places to pee, which is a problem in some cases. Uh, there, there are many, many different things that, that it might be. Uh, but on the other hand, if 
we were to get uh, other things relating to the trans community that were perhaps a little bit different, um, trans in media, trans, you know, other things like that, we certainly would be open to those projects as well. Excellent. And this, we're talking apps, are we talking websites? Uh, again, again, the, the field is wide open. We're not really planning to have a competitive hack day. So it's not as though everybody has to be working in the same category so we can make a comparison and pick a winner. Uh, this is very much meant to be a cooperative enterprise, uh, a community building enterprise. So really, we are saying the more diversity, the better. So can you tell us exactly where and when Transcode will be held? Uh, certainly. Transcode uh, is actually an evening, a Friday evening, followed by a full Saturday hack day. Uh, the Friday evening event, we still have not decided on a uh, venue for, uh, but it will be uh, Friday 27th of March uh, and will run from about 6.30 to 9. Uh, the full hack day uh, will be the 28th of March, uh, we will have beginner tutorials starting at uh, 8 a.m. with the full hack day starting about 9.30 a.m. And we will be running through until about 6 p.m. Uh, and that hack day we do know the venue for. That will be at Go Cardless, which is 338-346 Goswell Road in London. It's it's a beautiful space uh, to, to have a hack event at. And Friday, I guess, will be in London or, or if not near. It, it will be in central London. We have a couple of options that we haven't confirmed yet. How can people connect? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, people can find us on our website, which is trans-code.org. Uh, and if you want to email us, uh, we have a very simple email address. It's info at trans-code.org. Uh, also, we're on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is trans underscore code. Naomi, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about Transcode. Good luck with the project, and I hope to talk to you after the event and see how it oh, works. Thank you very thank much. You. My name's Claire Parker, and you're listening to Time for Tea on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. Music now from our featured artists of the week, Dex Kinsey 4, who are a local band and should definitely be on your trans radar for performers. They joined me in the studio last Sunday for the Reverbathon and helped Radio Reverb in smashing this year's target of £3,000, which goes well towards running this amazing station. Now, we have no playlists or adverts, and we're run by volunteers. Not that £3,000 pays for a year. Far from it. So if Time for Tea is important to you, please pop along to RadioReverb.com and hit that donate button. Give what you can and even leave us a message. Even a pound will do. Here's Sofa's Sutures Futures by Dickensy 4. This song is called uh, Sofa's Futures Sutures. Let's do it. <laughs> That's a cue. <laughs> oh, it's <I> start. <laughs> Put us both in my sleep and I gave away my dreams hope the soul couldn't grow this filthy heart this being tough was all a bluff a war between the both of us sat on the same sofa nine light years apart and yeah I know what it's like to know what 
Less far for my face to fall When the tripwire takes me down Baby, taking you too Don't think you know what it feels like To don't want to be here But you've never mopped up A room full of lamb-greedy tears Cause you only drink beer And you might Sophie's Sutra's Futures from Dickensy 4. More from them later. Now, last month saw the launch night of the BFI Flare programme and Time for Tea was there to get a sense of what trans entries were really worth investing time in. Here's part one of that interview with Jason Elvis Barker, one of the programmers of the festival. So I'm here at the, uh, the BFI Flare Film Festival yes. 2015 again with the lovely Jason oh, Elvis Barker. <laughs> how, how else can I describe you? Oh, I don't know. I think lovely will do, actually. Lovely, lovely will do. Nice. That's what we can work up from this. So you've got a great programme ahead of us, um, certainly from the trans perspective. Give us a hint of what we can expect well, to see. Well, do you know what? I mean, there's a few that I would say stand out. In the Turn is a film about a young trans girl. She's 10 years old and living in Canada with a single mum. Not so much money to spend. And what's happened with her, it's a documentary, by the way, what's happened with her is that she's being bullied at school. She's not having a good time. I mean coming out at 10 was pretty tricky and her name's Crystal and she's having a hard time and for her the hardest thing is that she was always sporty but she can't play sports it's it's to do with changing rooms and what team you're on and all of this stuff and so at 10 years old she can't join in anyway her mum finds out about roller derby and roller derby's got this big LGBT following big queer following I did not know that yeah I mean in this country as well it's it's massive it's it's really popular popular with lesbians with gay men with trans people it's a popular thing roller derby and there's a whole um, across the world there's the queer roller derbies are all in a, a special a kind of squad called the Vagine Regime and the Vagine Regime is an international collection of roller derby players you just like saying the word Vagine don't (laughs) you (laughs) but anyway I mean and they they the Vagine Regime in the UK are going to come and do some 
roller stunts and a display for us before the screening. But anyway, what happens in Canada is her mum finds out about the Fagine regime and writes them a letter and says, you know, this is my daughter, this is the situation. And they end up, they take on her case and they, they do all sorts of um, fundraising and support and they take Crystal to Los Angeles to play in a junior roller derby match. And so that's the kind of the thrust of the storyline is about how they set their wheels in motion to help this girl. But in the course of the documentary, you find out about why roller derby is really important to trans people, to queer people. So you get a lot of people's personal stories. It's a game for people who identify as women, but there are lots of trans guys who uh, are referees. Really? Yeah, so the trans guys will be referees and the women play, but they don't have... It's a very inclusive game in that they don't have... They don't have restrictions on who can play. It's you know. But it's, this is like a micro world, then. It is, and realize. it's also because it comes. I think it's because it comes from a DIY place, the roller derby. It's like an underground thing. It's not something that's mainstream. They've made their own rules. They've said, okay, you know, they're inclusive about who can play, what kind of body you have. There aren't rules. There aren't a sort of you've got to be super fit. You can be a different body shape, a different body size. So without giving so, too much away from the end of it, how does the film pan out? Where, where is its heart, would you say? I think its heart is how this underground sport, this game, has given confidence to lots of people who don't fit into the mainstream, who wouldn't consider themselves sports fans, have found confidence and found community through the game of roller derby. And then how the 10-year-old... Well, what I love, actually, about the 10-year-old trans girl, about Crystal, there's nothing questioning her at all. You know, in this film... It's a matter of fact. should be, it's a matter of fact. Oh, wow. She's 10 years old and she's a girl called Crystal. There's no question, there's no expert opinion. There's, there's no, no debate as there's to... There's no yep. debate as to her existence. Fantastic. She is who she is. And, but in an unfortunate situation about the society around her, not who she is, that's not questioned. It's, it's the silly rules that she's got to put up with. And so these people are fixing it in the best way they can. Through the power of roller derby. Through the power of roller <laughs> derby. Excellent. Yeah. I am proud to introduce your regime. The regime regime is some of the most badass queer skaters around. I founded the Vagine Regime. It's a collective of queer women and men involved in roller derby. So we have a place to be unapologetically just queer, and that's no longer an issue. This is an email the VR got. My nine-year-old daughter has not competed in sports since she transitioned at school because she can't play with the girls and she isn't a boy. We know how the Vagine Regime has affected our lives, and it's, like, really important to pay it forward. Tonight, every single raffle ticket that was purchased is going to go to a scholarship fund that's going to fly Crystal from Canada to participate in an actual junior roller derby camp. So what else can we look for? Okay, so that is one of my top favourite films. Um, Mala Mala. What's brilliant about Mala Mala is that it's so beautiful. I mean, I've, I've watched quite... Well, obviously, I watch a lot of films for this festival and a lot that we choose. And quite often... I don't know what it is. Quite often when people are making films about trans people, I don't know, sometimes the beauty is missing. Right. Sometimes the care and the craft is missing. And I, I mean, I've seen films that are, for instance, they might be about trans women in Thailand and they're, they're sort of just, there's something, I don't know, as if they're, 
Is it too much about the body you're saying and not too much no, about not enough it's about too the much art? about the body. I think it's I mean I've seen films where I've wondered whether the person who's in the film even knows they're being filmed. Films shot on a phone, films, you know, that it's really where it really feels like you've got um, an us and them, that trans people are the subject and these people who are not trans are making a film about the trans people and the trans people are there to be gawped at in some way. You know, and it's but Mala Mala the filmmakers have worked with the people that they're filming in how do they want to be presented and what they've come up with is so it's these beautiful kind of fantasy sequences really working with people and really making people look beautiful and I think you've got a a difficult life they've got a difficult life in Puerto Rico but the film is very inspiring because it's all about how a trans community is starting to become more political starting to fight for their rights um, they want employment rights and that's what the film is following it's following a lot of women saying okay so we're sex workers we want to be able to choose what else we could be we're sex workers because there's nothing else we can do but we want to be able to have the choice we want to have a job in an office if we want so or whatever we want to do so they're the film shows the run-up to a mm. campaign to a march on city hall in the city hall in puerto rico and um but it's 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 just all it's shot really beautifully it's got beautiful kind of set pieces with um dancing and music and and really intimate stories so but you so you feel am i get let me get this right it's rather than being the trans community being represented by a documentary crew it is representative of themselves yes very right. much so and representative for themselves and i think also particularly i mean if if somebody is um, is spending a lot of time on themselves and then for a filmmaker to kind of not like them properly doesn't seem fair and this is a film that really it looks after the people who are in it and so it's and it really, I mean it's got um, it's got some really in, the other interesting thing about the film is that it doesn't differentiate between various groups within the general trans umbrella so it's quite interesting. I'm not sure that you'd be able to make such a film, say, in this country about our community, because people would be saying, "Hey, just a minute, you can't include those and those." Do you know what I mean? So there's so, no. What you're saying is here, we we would want to label. We want to label and we want to split people up. But in the in this film, you know, Puerto Rico's, you know, are less people, a tighter knit trans community, and they don't. It's not split up between who's a cross dresser, who's a transsexual who's this who's that all of everyone's stories are shown so you've got um you've got a drag house featured with uh you know with the mama of the drag house the drag mother and you know the competitions and and this is all and and you've got the sex workers and you've got you know the women who are older and you know it, they're all but they're all telling their stories and they're all sort of coming from the same place Part two of BFI Flair 2015 later. Time now for some more Dickensy 4. Okay, this song's called September and um, it's based on uh, a poem I wrote when I was feeling really, really miserable and down on myself quite early in my transition and it's about just thinking, like, God, is anyone ever going to love me? I mean, you know, people do, but that's, that's where I was. It's so Lisa's going to sing it anyway because um, I'm really hungover and a bit scared. Lovely in your own time. One, two, three... Ah, 
love warm enough to love a girl like me Tearing strips from my hips to stop the wounds with me Self-assault's never been a crime, so adjourn the jury If your heart's warm enough to love a girl like me When I wake up and when I'm drinking When I'm high, when I go to bed and I'm sinking I don't want to be here anymore with all this thinking When I wake up, when I'm drinking September to September I don't miss the years that I cannot remember Help me scratch the hair from my face And count their number None of them should have been mine Tender And I can't see myself And they can't see me This haunted cloak Of invisibility Leave me with no guarantee of safety When I can't see myself And they can't see me She calls to me, you know Smoke signal iris Butterfly baby lashes behind my eyelids Always has her palms up and giving comfort When she calls to me you know smoke signal iris September to September How can you miss the years that you can't remember Help me scratch the head from my face and count their number None of them should have been mine Tender I don't think I know my name But she does She calls me beauty baby girl And in the dark she whispers Don't die, darling, come home, darling Don't die, darling, come home, darling, don't die Now, back in 2009, ITV proffered up a little comedy called Moving Wallpaper. In one episode... Of this, a transsexual woman character was subjected to relentless ridicule and pretty much every piece of comedy bigotry you could fit into a 30-minute show. Well, this did not sit well with a small Facebook page whose members sought to monitor the media. They challenged Ofcom, then Channel 4, the PCC, even submitting evidence to the Leveson Inquiry. The list of achievements goes on that group is Transmedia Watch and to tell us about their whole history as well as helping us trawl through this month's trans news stories please welcome to Time for Tea a founding member Josephine Shaw hey Clem how Hello. are you doing welcome I'm good I'm very good thank you very much for your inaugural visit Indeed. lovely to have Indeed. you 
So first of all, fill us in. Give us that whole rich history. The rich history. Well, you know, the sort of short story um, version of it. As you mentioned, TMW was initially a Facebook page which was designed to monitor what was going on in the media and the portrayal of trans people and um, gender non-conforming people in the press and so forth. And that episode appeared in 2009, the moving wallpaper episode. It kind of galvanized the community into saying enough is enough. It was, as many of you listeners will perhaps remember it. Um, and it was, it was just appalling. And we, we launched a petition um, to um, have the program have ITV censored. Ofcom initially refused to see us, but we just kept and kept at them until eventually we just said, we're not going to stop until you see us. Um, and we got in there and saw them and, and made a presentation to them about how trans people experience the media, and which is it, it certainly isn't great now, but it was terrible then, um, even five, six years ago now. And um, from that really opened up a whole lot of opportunities, really. Ofcom was shocked um, by it and led to connections with, they said, actually at the time they said, well, you know, we were reluctant to see you, but we're glad you came and you should talk to Channel 4. Um, and we managed to get involved there and went along to some event, an event basically, where I kind of heckled from the floor at one Creative Diversity event and made, um, built a relationship with a guy there called Stuart Cosgrove, who was head of Creative Diversity at Channel 4. He's a very good chap. And um, he became the first TV exec really to sort of take this, this issue seriously. Um, and then from there, the BBC. We're also at that event. They became involved and wanted to hear what we had to say. We presented to them as well. And after that, the Press Complaints Commission and so forth. So it kind of spiralled on from there um, and um, it, it resulted in a whole lot of initiatives from that stage on, which are still going on. And we're still seeing the fruits of some of those, mm. um, I hope. Yeah. Just take, take a step back sure. one second. Yeah. Um, what was the outcome of the Ofcom? Did, did, did they find for or against? They, they were equivocated, to be honest, because the, the, the regulations at the time made it difficult for them to actually come down against ITV. But certainly there was so much fuss made about it that Ofcom um, rewrote some of their, their guidance on some of this. And, um, and it began a conversation which resulted in, 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 in hopefully in change, you know. So if that came out today, um, it, it's certainly... I don't think it would come out today. I think no, they'd be... It, they'd be, they'd an, be um, slaughtered. They'd be slaughtered. And, and, but I don't think a broadcaster would try and do it today, um, although they do try and still get away with some pretty terrible things. Mm. But, but hopefully, hopefully we won't see something like that again. So where is Transmedia Watch now in, well, in terms I'm, of campaigning? I'm directly involved now. I stepped away a couple of years ago after the Leveson inquiry that I was quite involved in um uh, it's still very much part of the scene and run by by jenny um commode who does a great job um the little group that i was involved in when we were launching and getting the thing underway which was me paris lees helen belcher sarah lennox jenny and me um i um we've many of us have moved on to other things now jenny's still there and and they're still active and so forth so i'd encourage everybody to Take a look. I, I saw yesterday, actually, that they are repeating a piece of research about how the trans community experiences the media, which was something that we did first in 2009, which formed one of the 
aspects of the campaigning work then and, and it's being refreshed now so um, I saw something on their Twitter feed on that so that's good will that be I think it was 250 people it's about will it 250 be, will yeah. it be the same 250 it'll people be, no it'll be different it'll be different this time so I, I'm, I've, I've not been involved with that but I think that's a very worthwhile thing so go and find that and, and, and do take part in it and see where we are now five six years later it's just good to have the benchmark Absolutely. and just actually see trending going yeah. down there. Yep. Now, do you think <coughs> campaigning has changed now? Certainly we've got the involvement of on-road media. And, yeah. and do, do you think now with the more the, um, the connections with the media and, and, and the fact that we're mm. now talking together, do you think that you know, we kind of, as a, as a community, have to bite more of the bullet to eat more of the cake, as it were. Kind of, yes. I mean, I think there's great, lots of steps have been made and the seeds were sown, you know, over the last few years. We've got a long way to go. We are getting there. I think one of the things that, that is hard to remember about the media is it's, it's a bit like kind of working with a kind of sieve. You, 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 <laughs> you make a presentation to a TV company or a newspaper or something and, you, and you're inclined to think, oh, that's great. They kind of get it. And for a couple of months, they seem to you know, be sensitive and understanding. And then they mess it up again because it's a different writer, it's a different sub-editor, it's a different, you know, and, and so it's a, it's a bit like painting the fourth road bridge. You have to keep, you have to keep out there. Um, but I think the direction of travel is positive um, and um, I genuinely do think that and I think there's a kind of um, uh, normalisation of the trans experience. It isn't, we haven't got there yet, but it's becoming something that the media can get its head around um, more, more than it would have done five years ago, certainly. I think we need to get them on board so that they feel that they are driving change as opposed <coughs> to just yeah. um, an interesting news story. That's right. We're, we're, not, a, we're not a novelty act. We're, mm. we're, we're just part of human experience and, and we have our place, you know, as, as everybody else does in that sort of media discourse, yeah. So much more to talk, talk about. You're going to come back later and you're going to help me go through all of the news items. But before we do I that, am. you very kindly <laughs> have agreed to, to sit briefly in, tell you about Yeah, to so sit in the uh, hot seat <laughs> and uh, a song, we always ask, I guess, a song that really say. identifies their own personal journey. Um, uh, tell us what the song is the song, and why it's important to you. The song is In a Smile by Texas and I go back to 2000 for this. I was at the beginning of my... My, well, starting to get to grips with what I needed to do with myself. And um, I came across a group, online group, still going strong, UK Angels. And um, they helped me so much at that time. And um, this song came out, I mean, really saved my life in terms of reaching out and, and, and me understanding that there were people there who felt as I did. And um, the song came out at that time. And then I remember that there was a birthday party that I couldn't go to because I wasn't out and it was all too difficult and so forth. And this song really spoke to me about my own inner smile and the lyrics were me singing to me and I asked them to play it for me at that birthday party and I did I think they did so this is for them for Joanna Nichols for Kim for all of those people at the UK Angels who helped me back then Something like loving and soothing 
Now, Radio Reverb is entirely run by volunteers and is a non-profit organisation. If you've enjoyed today's show or any of the shows on Reverb, then please pop along to the RadioReverb.com website, click on Donate and give as much as you're able. Thank you. In a smile by text and chosen today by Josephine Shaw, who's in the studio with us. And we'll be back later to help us with this month's train train news. No, with this train month's news. train news. So random trans trans news. Choo-choo. <laughs> Next up, part two of our 2015 BFI Flair trans film review with Jason Elvis Barker. Well, I, I wanted to tell you about Mirko. And Mirko is um, it's a documentary drama, mostly documentary, but it's kind of a hybrid. Um Mirko is about people who are non-binary, people who are living between the genders or not identifying as male or female. Gender fluid, gender quiz um, in Germany, in Berlin. I think it's in Berlin. Anyway, so there's three main characters, but the filmmaker is, she's, she's interested in the subject because when she was born, her grandmother was supposed to um, put a, a coloured towel up to show what the sex of the baby was so she was supposed to put a blue towel or a pink towel to show the neighbours okay so you've got all this kind of heteronormative but the grandmother got it wrong she totally forgot so she didn't put any towel out for a couple of days then she happened to wash something blue hung it up and everyone thought a boy had been born and so they thought this boy had been born and the filmmaker was interested about well if it's all of those expectations and those hopes and those dreams and those projections that people put on to a child and it came down to a towel you know there's like so really she was interested in what would have happened if the boy that she was mistaken for had grown up what's the difference anyway between the genders well the film gets more and more I I think it's really interesting it's because you have interviews with people but also the filmmaker herself is playing with expectations so she does a a series of challenges and dares you could say i mean for instance what's it like when a woman somebody looks like a woman's wearing a skirt pee standing up against a tree what do people's reactions what's it like when when a woman scratches herself what do people think you know so she's exploring all these things um and she's working with some great people who can switch very easily so she works with performers who do drag king Okay, what's it like then when somebody who looks like that goes, you know, dressed as a a woman and goes into a bar? And uh, it's really, I think it's really interesting. Um, But also, um, a fiction film, a narrative film that's also playing with gender in that way is Something Must Break. And we showed a film by this filmmaker called Esther Martin Bergsmark, a Swedish filmmaker. Um, we showed a film by them uh, two years ago, I think, called She Male Snails, which was a documentary. Well, this is her first fiction film. And Esther Martin Bergsmark is a, I'm guessing a sort of, I think they identify as a sort of non-binary woman, maybe. But anyway, so they've made this film, and the film is about um, a young... It's really hard to say, because even by talking about it, I feel like I'm pinning down the character's identity. And that's the opposite of what the film is about. The film is about somebody... Well, basically, the film is about somebody who... I suppose, what can you say? Has um, a penis, but does not present in that way, and has the name Sebastian, but also sometimes is toying with the idea of being Ellie, and what would that be like? And... 
but you can't tell from the film and that's the thing where it doesn't pin anyone down you can't tell whether this is somebody called Sebastian who wants to be Ellie or somebody who could either be Sebastian or Ellie but is choosing a centre ground Mm. a a bit like lots of us there's ambiguities and you can't actually say who somebody is and what they are so it's just a window on that they're their formative well, years, would you say? Ish, but what's really, what the kind of the, the really big um, turning point to this film is that um, they meet and fall in love with a straight man, a straight punk, a young punk guy. A young punk guy who, because of those sort of labels, he loves this person, but he can't get his head round what their identity, the effect their identity has on his identity. And therefore, how and how, that, how he should be appropriately it, reacting. Exactly. And so the name Something Must Break, Something Has to Give. So it's about that sort of, you know, it's a brilliant portrayal of, you know, like teenage wildness, wild love. But also that thing when you know it's, it's that horrible heartbreak because something must break. It, it cannot carry on like that. And actually what happens is... But is don't give really, too much away. I'm not gonna give, okay, I'm not going to give it away. But I would say it's a really... It's really empowering and really positive and really, I think, very accurate. Very accurate. And, I mean, and that accuracy, I think, I think comes from... He's a really exciting director who identifies as trans themselves and they're making work that's based on their own life so you can you, you, you can, can hear that authenticity oh, you absolutely can you yeah. absolutely can and I, I've read some reviews by people who don't get the film and I've heard reviews from people that I know who do get the film do you think and this film then has two layers there's some trans film I, coming out where if you're cisgendered you'll get it on, on one level yeah but you simply won't get it from a trans well, perspective because I think also I mean the, the trouble I was having trying to pin down the character I think when you watch it, of course, you don't need to put any words on it. You're watching a story, you're watching it unfold. It's so beautifully shot as well. Again, I mean, I suppose that's another thing I would say is a theme of this year is beautifully shot work, which which is great. It's great to see. But, um, But yeah, really beautiful and really poetic and really thoughtful and sensitive. Um, Any more? Yes, I can also tell you about... Drunk Town's Finest is a film by a director called Sidney Freeland. It's a film about um, this really small town in New Mexico that was called the drunk capital of the USA on some kind of big um, American news report. And I think they did a report on like the worst towns or something, and this was the worst, the capital of drunkenness. But it's also Sidney Freeland's hometown. And it's a town with, that's within um, a Native American reservation. And she, the director, again, it's interesting when people identify as the thing they're making the film about because she's a trans woman who's also a Native American and she's made a film about her own experiences again. She's written a film. She's got three characters and one of them, I suppose the main character in the film is a guy called Sick Boy who's a cisgendered fella. Sick Boy. Who's played by an actor who's in CSI. So anyone who knows the CSI series will recognise this guy. He, um, he plays this guy who's about to be a father, but just can't keep on the straight and narrow. It's quite violent. There's also a woman who has been adopted into a white Christian family and wants to find her Native American roots. And there's also a 
really brilliant character who's a young trans woman. And she's a young trans woman who's living with her grandparents on the reservation. They say this land isn't a place to live, it's a place to leave. Then why do people stay? When you first walked into my office, you told me you wanted to provide a better life for you and your family. But you gotta understand, joining the army is not a right, it's a privilege. You're adopted? Yeah. My real parents died in a car crash when I was seven. I'm here looking for my biological family. Who it is? Felicia from Facebook. Oh, hey, girl. What are you up to? Switching calls. If I lived under the conditions they did, I probably would have drank myself to death, too. You need a ride? My name is Sick Boy. Felicia, nice to meet you. And she wants to be, um, she wants to be a pin-up. They do this Navajo women's um, calendar every year, and she wants to be on that. So it's three stories that don't seem to have any links, and then gradually the characters all connect. And the film was shown at Sundance last year. Um, and it, it got money. I think um, Robert Redford is one of the executive producers. She'd written the script and the script was picked up by Robert Redford and so sort of part funded by him or helped by him. And yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's not something... I mean, we've shown work before that's about Native Americans and looking at maybe... Um, um, True Spirit, there was a documentary third called spirit, True Spirit, just, yeah. looking yeah. at third spirit people and we've shown work that's documentary but I don't believe we've had a fiction film here before, a narrative film about the experience of being mm. trans. It was a classic, American. I think, going back, Richard Harris in the thing, um, A Man Called Horse, oh, yeah. there was, yes, yeah. there was a third, yeah, there was, there yes, was, a there character was. in there, definitely. There was, and this is interesting because it's also um, part of it, and I'm not giving anything away here, it's about that young it's about all of the young people finding their roots and for her it's about finding those roots as well so finding out the history and the history of you know where she fits into that society and it's good jason uh, an absolute smorgasbord of of things to come and watch um, can you tell people when does the um, festival start and the festival runs from the 19th to the 29th of march and people can get tickets through the website. People can have a look, have a look on the BFI website and it will take you to the BFI Flare section and you can get tickets for all those films. We're also, um, during the festival, we're going to be showing the My Generation films by Fox and Lewis. Yes. Um, and I'm saying this because I have to make it happen. Uh, well, you, now you're sure on the record. Yeah, now I'm on the record. But what I really want is, it, is to have some kind of, um, like a video jukebox of their work that people can come and put headphones in and have a look and watch their stuff. And I think it's really good to have things like that because I think also, I hope that people perhaps will see their work who wouldn't normally see it. People who are passing through the building, somebody who's waiting for a completely different film will stop and watch. Jason, thank you. Thank you very much, Have a great festival. Thank you. Jason Elvis Barker telling us about the BFI Flair Festival 2015. Still with me in the studio is the delightful, the delicious <laughs> Josephine Shaw. All of those, all the and the above, yeah. Um, 
Joe, you're going to help us um, trawl through all of the trans news stories. So the first one up, uh, obviously, it doesn't go away, and it's going to be with perhaps for a while yet, trans face. Eddie Redmayne, uh, Lily Elb film. Um, question for you, are trans actors pressured? Because there's so many um, coming out now and, and playing trans parts, with obviously the trans face being the lead. Uh, are trans actors pressured to be less active in order to get more roles? Uh, or And is it still up to the trans community to campaign on their behalf? I think it is up to the trans community to campaign on, on their behalf, actually. Um, Claire, um, on the, on the Ed Redbane thing, um, the Danish girl movie that's coming out and stuff, I, I feel kind of, it's, it's kind of complicated. I think personally for me, there is a, an absolute issue around, you know, trans characters should be played by people that live that experience in the same way that, you know, black characters in, you know, drama would be obviously played by black actors, you know, and, and or people of various ethnic, ethnic backgrounds and so forth. But um, that said... Um, and that is an absolute. That said, um, I think the fact that an Oscar-winning actor is going to tell a story, um, which hopefully could move the conversation forward and make more people think, well, shouldn't a trans person be taking this kind of role in the future? I think that's a possible outcome of it. Um, I think that um, we need to work hard to get work for trans actors, of which there are actually quite a lot. Um, and... Um, the other thing I think is also that we must make sure that we don't somehow end up campaigning for a situation where trans people only end up getting trans roles, which is nuts because we want to just be represented as everybody else is represented, just taking parts because you're good at acting and you can do it and stuff like that. So um, so I think there's a number of issues at work here. Um, ultimately, I think trans people should play those trans, those trans roles, but all, all lots of others too, if they're, if they're good at acting, you know, simple as that really. We're on to that smelly subject now. The um, oh goodness yeah. me, toilets, yeah. toilets again, toilets. and a couple of news items I just want to bring to people's attention. Um, we got trans man Kay Browning who um, went to a nightclub in Tiverton and was uh, was refused entry and was told to get out and not to use the the amenities there and took took the actual club to court. Um, I'm glad to say um, got a fifteen. 1500 um award so that yeah that's a bittersweet story um mm. things are happening there we've got, obviously got the the big story that, that's breaking in the states you, you've got the bray cons um canada lady who's doing selfies in toilets and um, suddenly i want to touch, touch on you there we've got toilet legislation happening all over the place so certainly in the united states and one of the things so i just want to it's a personal story here which leads will lead me into a question from my own personal experience i remember going to having a church person come up to me once and asking me about toilets and they said to me yeah. and this is really this is a lady and she said to me what do you think when you're sitting on the toilet and there's a there's a woman in the cubicle next door now i just didn't know how to yeah. I answer that because her question was based on genitalia, pure and simple, and what my thoughts were. And obviously, it must have been some, some sort of lesbian bent undertone to that. Toilets, your thoughts. Uh, uh, first of all, the, the the selfie. It, it, well, is I'll it the start, right thing to do? Answer, I just wanted to respond to that actual little anecdote you just shared there, Claire. The thought of what what was on, you know what was on her mind. <laughs> Un- unexamined bigotry actually I would have thought you know when I sit on the toilet I'm thinking about you know mostly urinating or you know um, that is sort of it um, and um, yeah the selfie thing the the whole narrative in the, in North America at the moment is becoming very problematic in some parts of the states and Canada and 
And this legislation that um, is is now coming forward from some p- politicians in some states in America, Texas, Florida, Kentucky, a few others, which is all about ensuring that trans people do not have access to toilets that represent their lived their lived gender, as it were. They have to sort of be, you know, tied to the one that's, um, you know, on the birth certificate and all that stuff. And um, I I find it just repellent, you know, the whole the whole situation. I think it's a civil rights issue. I think in the United States, the federal government should step in and, you know, just stop this because um, it's becoming one of these causes which the right wing hardcore. Um, very conservative, um, churched sort of communities, very sort of hardcore Republican attitudes at work here. And they're, they're using these these things as a way of getting to trans people because there's a sense sometimes that there's a lot of liberal commentators in the States now who are saying that as things like equal marriage start to make their way around the United States, even into some of these states in the South, the trans community is coming under more and more pressure because these are now the this is now the group that these people can go after because they're less protected, and um, they, they they represent a, um, an easy target you know because these guys need they need these people and they mostly are guys not all they need a hate figure um, mm. and, and so much of their agenda is about control and power and, and stuff and and they use this this sort of issue as as a manner of doing that a means of doing that. Can I dive underneath all that? Yeah. Obviously the you know the organizations um the church they use these isolated incidents mm. to to raise their own um agenda so mm. to speak but i, I want to actually understand you know these happen to real people yeah. and then the fear kicks in what is it exactly that people are afraid of i mean it, is it just down to is it gay panic is it is it the fact that yeah. there's someone someone with a, a, a <laughs> different shaped genitalia than them where is this to be honest i i I have no idea because if you start to break it down you realize that there isn't anything to be afraid of and 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 the and the reality is that the stories that are created in order to sort of support this kind of attitude are just mostly lies i mean there are there are examples of you know fictional stories being created of so-called assaults and things which are perpetuated around the media in the states and elsewhere and it just didn't happen and um when you start to break it down and say well what are you frightened of i I don't think i've ever read a reason a real Mm. reason that i can you know, I think, think, I, think understand. I think what's interesting, and it leads me into the next thing I'd like to talk about. There's a fantastic piece in the New Statesman mm. called "Sex Isn't Chromosomes," <coughs> mm. and the general gist of the piece is that you simply cannot tell what chromosome people are just by looking at them. And so, are we expected to have a blood test before we have a pee in the future? And if so, with over ten plus combinations of sex already defined, um, we would obviously need you know that many that many toilets. So, I mean, it, yeah. it just, it's those sorts of stories that show up the ridiculousness of of what it is to well, be in a toilet. You know, as we were talking earlier, be the first person on your show to use reductio ad absurdum, <laughs> use of Latin in community radio. Um, the idea of breaking it all down to you know, I'm sorry, can you check your chromosomes before you? De- you know, I mean, it's it's it, it just it's just just laughable, isn't it? But also the other aspect, of course, is the you know the knowledge these days about what XX and XY really means, and it doesn't mean the things that you know people say it does. And the chromosomes are massively more complicated than than that little you know version states. So um, that, yeah, I mean, I think it's bonkers, really. 
<laughs> Joe, thank you very much. We, <laughs> it's amazing how quickly we've run out of time. Um, thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thanks Pleasure. also to our other contributors. You're welcome. Um, to our other contributors, um, Jason Elvis Barker and Naomi Cedar. If you missed today's show, it's repeated this Monday at 8 a.m., Wednesday at 2 p.m., and Thursday at 3 a.m. Or you can catch us anytime on timefatigue.podomatic.com and on iTunes by searching for Claire Parker in the iTunes store. Of course, if you want to contact us about anything you've heard in this show or you just want to have a journey tune played for you, please drop us a line by clicking on shows on radioreverb.com and look for Time for Tea. That's the number four and the letter T. Playing us out the last track from our featured artist of the week, Dickinsey Four, and my favourite track, Broken Legs. Our next song is called Broken Legs uh, because it's International Women's Day. We want to sing a song that's about violence towards female-identified people and the fact that it needs to stop right now. Your freedom cuts me like a blade It was never supposed to be like this Another girl crying to the beat of your cum How could you even get to this? Words come stilted, not at between us The words that fall out your mouth like a virus Let's get messed up so it happens again If friends are you Then I don't need them Words come silted not at all Nothing means nothing and silence means no Plans are short, you've gotta go. I'll break your face like the girls you broke. You say you're ill, but you're still breathing, and these damn wounds are just not healing. Graveyard dancing in the light Spit on your reflection now Going down with such a fight Her face like ten unmade beds A crease for each year she bleds All them caskets held no kisses Just pay.